0: Use today's message. You get excited and clap there, but that's okay. No, no, no. Oh. Well, okay. We'll take it. So anyway. All right. Well, we are in this series called "You Ask for It," and uh, somebody stop that guy. He's trying to go get ice cream right now. Don't let him out the back door. That'd be just fine. Anyway, so in this series called "You Ask for It," essentially what we're doing is uh, at Easter we handed out uh, a survey to you, just cards we placed on your chair and said, "What." What is it that's on your heart? What is in the Bible that you want to know more about? What subjects are, are interesting to you? Maybe this is a point of pain in your life that you would like us to speak to, that you you've just got to deal with this subject. And so we call this series, You Ask For, because everything we talk about in this series is what you ask for. And um, it's really interesting, some of the questions that we get, uh, because sometimes there's a question that is asked that you look at it and you kind of go, there's another question that they're asking. Like, this is the question that they've asked, but there's really like a, a, a secret motive behind it. There's a reason they've asked this question, and I think today is one of those questions. And I will tell you this, that the subject we're going to talk about is foundational to our church. Like, it's so important to us. And I, I will say this, that if you're new here uh, today, and, and you're just kind of kicking the tires to see if, if Simple Church is the place for you, that, that today's subject may actually answer that question for you, which is really neat, so I'm glad you're here And the question you ask me is, Aaron, what about spiritual gifts? Tell me about those, because there's a lot of confusion about what they actually are. And don't worry about that, because there was actually a lot of confusion in the Bible. That's why Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, now about spiritual gifts, he said, listen, I I need you to know about these, because it was kind of something that was new to them. Having gifts of the Spirit was new, and he's like, I need you to, to know them, Brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. You need to be informed. You need to understand what they are so that you understand how to use them, how to let them play out in your life. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, to give you a full picture of what spiritual gifts are, I want to kind of backtrack a little bit and help you understand what the gifts are not. Okay, so just so you have a full picture. Spiritual gift is not the gift of eternal life. It is not the gift of eternal life. That's a, that's a wonderful thing that we get but the gift of eternal life is more like a gift that you get when it's not your birthday and it's not Christmas. It's just a gift that you give because you are so loved. And, and that's the gift of eternal life that we have through Jesus. In Romans 6.23 it says, For the wages of sin is death. What that means is that the payment for, like when you work your job at the end of the week, you get a paycheck. In other words, the paycheck for the work of sin, the waywardness, the, the, the living in opposition to God's best for your life, the paycheck for that is death, that somebody has to die. It's not as simple as just saying, God, forgive me. That doesn't take care of sin. Somebody has to die, and that's why Jesus died. And so because he died, we can ask for forgiveness, and God gives us that. In fact, that's what it says. It says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift, there's that word, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, okay? Now, that's that free gift of Jesus. But That's not our topic for the day. The second thing it's not is not the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to this world. He lived for 33 years on this earth. Three of those years were time he spent being a preacher and somebody who went around healing and doing good. And and, and that was the last three years of his life in which he died on the cross, rose from the dead, and then afterwards spent some time here with his disciples. But Jesus knew that when he left that they were going to panic. And he's like, listen, I'm not going to leave you without a comforter. I'm not going to leave you without a teacher. I'm not going to leave you without giving you a gift. And that gift was the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Acts 1, 4 through 5, he's telling his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem, don't go anywhere. Hang out together, spend time together, wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And if you want to know what the Holy Spirit is or who he is, you can go to John 14, 15, 16 and and read more about who the Holy Spirit is. He said, for John, baptized with water, which is what we're going to do today, we're going to baptize a couple people, and that's super exciting. Baptize them in water. That's an immersion there. It's a step of faith saying, hey, I'm a Christ follower, and this is something he asked us to do to make a public confession. But that's not what the baptism in the Holy Spirit was. He said, so in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not our topic for today, and it's great to pursue that, though, and it's great to understand that. What we're here to talk about today is not necessarily the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit gives you power to to, um, access more than you would have on your own ability. But spiritual gifts is something different. And you'll find that spiritual gifts are written about all throughout your Bible. Uh, And here's one in particular. It's found in Romans 12, 6. It says, we, meaning the church, that's you guys. You're included in that we. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Now, you need to understand something, that your Bible is written in two languages originally. There's Hebrew for the Old Testament, that's the first half of the Bible. And Greek for the New Testament, that's the second half of the Bible, that's from the time that Jesus walked this earth. And this is written in Greek, and so it's translated into English. And the Greek word here for the word gifts and grace, both of those words that we read there are the exact same word. It's the word charis, but the way it's conjugated or the way that it's written is charis or charisma. So the first word, gifts, is the word charisma. And the word grace is the word charis. They're the same thing. They're based on the same thing. And they're the same word, just kind of different application. And they they mean a grace gift. And so the question that you're really asking when you say, Aaron, tell me about them spiritual gifts, is this question. Are we a charismatic church? Because, Aaron, you know, I'm kind of enjoying the vibe here. I'm really digging what's going on. And I know what that charismatic stuff is all about. So are we that? And the answer is yes. We are a charismatic church. We absolutely are. But we don't use that word. We don't call it charismatic because there's a whole bunch of baggage that's attached to that word charismatic. In other words, it's one word. It means something specific, but everybody else thinks differently about it. And they think differently about it because of their experience, because of what they've heard, because of what they've seen on TV, or or somehow they've picked up some baggage about what that word charismatic means, and they have a different understanding of it. So the word's been hijacked. And so we don't use that word charismatic here. Let me explain. I grew up in a charismatic church. It was a Pentecostal, what's that word mean? Spirit-filled, what's that word mean? Church. It was charismatic. Charismatic. And let me tell you something. Let me, what that means is the women had long hair and didn't wear no makeup and had long skirts. It means that every service, somebody was going, just like that. They wail and they do that. you know what I'm talking about. I saw somebody laugh, throw their head back full on. You've seen it. You know. They would run, they would shout, they would jump. Service time got crazy and it wasn't even a Friday night and nobody was drunk. I'm telling you, as a little kid, I saw things in my charismatic church that made me go, huh, that's really weird, Mom. I don't want to be weird. I love Jesus, and I'm fine with the Holy Spirit, but I don't want to do all that. (laughs) There was one day, I kid you not, I saw a man doing backflips across the front of the auditorium now here's what they said well if they're doing that that's the holy spirit just got a hold of them turned them loose they're just having a good time and this guy did a backflip across the front and they thought that if you were under the power of the holy spirit whatever happened to you that you wouldn't be hurt well this dude did a backflip and was doing multiple spring and backhand springs across the front and we had pews y'all know what a pews are that's not the stink kind of thing it's like a wooden bench all right and that's what we sat in And this dude's doing backflips across the front, and he slams his head, the back of his head, right into the edge, to the edge of the pew. Boom. And then he just lays on the floor. And then the women, oh, they're like, oh, help him, Jesus. He's good. Holy Spirit's going to him in the spirit. He just passed out. Lord's just blessing him. I'm like, no, that dude's knocked out. He laid there the entire... I can't make this up. This true story happened to me. He laid there the whole time, the whole service, they just waving at him, oh, dear Lord Jesus, bless him. And then when the service was over, they barely they could pick him up, and he's just hanging between people's arms. I'm like, don't let that guy drive. They're like, we're going to put him in this car. The Holy Spirit's just blessing him. He's going to make it home to Fama. Like, that dude's got a concussion. He needs to go to the hospital. They put him in his car and let him drive off. Charismatic church, right? It's, it's, it's got all this baggage that's attached to it, and the word doesn't mean what the word means anymore. And that's, that's simply why we don't use it, because I like talking to people and finding out about, who they are. And when they say they're a Christian, I'm like, well, tell me about your church. Where do you fellowship? And they'll tell me. They'll, they'll start telling me about their church. Oh, the music is great, and we've got rock and roll, and they like all the lights and stuff. We don't just do hymnals. We, we have a hymnal service, but we also have the rock and roll service, you know. It's kind of dark in there, and people go. And, and I'm like, oh, that's really awesome. What, 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 what would you call, how would you describe your church? Well, it's a spirit-filled church, but it's not charismatic. And they're just really quick to tell you that. It's not charismatic, because they don't want to be associated with the holy rollers. They don't want to be associated with the snake handlers, because that's not us either, all right? Snake handlers got a box that hang right up here. If you ever see a box up here, you just need to leave, okay? I'm just telling you. That, that means there's some snakes up in there, and you just need to Indiana Jones it and get out, all right? so But we ain't doing that. So what does this mean? Charismatic is not holy roller and all that stuff. Char- charismatic means to be somebody with a grace gift, it's somebody who has been given a gift of God. It's, that's, that's all it means. And the word's been hijacked. We are that, but we don't use that word because we don't want to turn people away because of their experience. We believe that everybody has a God-given grace gift. Now, this grace gift may not be something that, that you've learned to do. It may not be something that, that, you know, you're an intellect and so you've developed because of an education it may not be something that, that, uh, that, that, I don't know, somebody else taught you. It's, it's not going to be something like that. It's, it's a grace gift that you've received from God. And God has given each one of us a grace gift to be used for our own fulfillment and to make a difference in people's lives and to change the world. That's why God gave it to us. And it's called a grace gift because it's something that's easy for you. It's something that, that maybe you need to invest some time in to develop, but it's something that you easily step into. It's like, man, yeah, that makes sense. I'll do that. It's, it's, you're inclined that way. You're bent that way. You probably look at life through the lens of that grace gift. You have a heavy motivation towards it, so it's just easy for you. Just like for me, it's easy for me to stand here on this stage. Some of you, that would terrify you to be up here in front of people. It would scare you to death. It would scare you to death in the same way it would scare me to death to be back there in kids' ministry. That's not my grace gift. For me to be in kids' ministry, I would require lots of duct tape, Velcro on walls, and Velcro suits. Like, I'm just going to put you right here, and we're going to duct tape your mouth so close so I can get through what i got to get through, right? Like, it's just not my grace gift, okay? But some of you... Some of you have the gift of that. You love serving in kids' ministry. You love being a part of that. You, you love, your heart just sings when kids connect with God and they get to know who he is. When they learn a Bible verse, man, or they're singing Father Abraham, man, you're just like, man, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. But that's not me. Some of you need therapy if you were in kids' ministry. Can I get a witness? Yeah. But each of us has a grace gift or a charis whether you like that word or not, each one of you has it, and God has given it to you. And that's important to us at Simple Church that you understand what your charis or your grace gift is. In fact, it's like, it's foundational for us. We, we really want you to know what that's like and what it's all about. Because it says that we have, and back in that verse, Romans 12, 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. God has given each one of us. The Bible uses that word charis all throughout. In fact, in Timothy, there's a place where Paul talks to Timothy and he's like, listen, that gift that you've got inside of you, I need to remind you that it's your responsibility to fan it into flame, to fan it into flame, the gift which is in you. The reason he wants you to do that, fanning something into flame, is that you fan a a fire so that it reaches its highest potential, it gets to its hottest point. He's like, hey, that grace gift you've got, you need to fan it into flame, You need to invest in it. You need to be active in it so that it reaches its highest potential. Stir it up. Make it bright. You say, why? Why are people concerned about grace gifts? Why are people concerned about what spiritual gifts are? Why even ask this question at all, Aaron? It seems really simple. I'll, I'll tell you, there's a few reasons why people ask this question. Because there are certain denominations that are out there that teach that the gifts have ceased. They're what we call cessationists. That's the theology of it. And they believe that the grace gifts were only in use during the church time in the Bible, and that when that church age ended, that the grace gifts ceased, that they were no longer inactive, that God didn't need them anymore, that he built his church, he got, gave Him momentum by giving Him gifts and miracle-working things to get everybody's attention, that Jesus is Lord, and then, and then he just stopped because he didn't need them anymore. But that's not what the Bible says. The, the Bible doesn't say that at all. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, his followers, that's you. He said, greater works than I do, you'll do them. You're going to do greater things than me. You're going to go out and do bigger things than I have. And so I'm going to tell you everybody, the great physician's still in business. He still heals people. He still does miracles. The gifts have not ceased. That doesn't even make any sense to me. The only reason I can even understand why they would like to adopt this theology of cessationism is that they can't explain why God doesn't move when, every single time. They can't explain why God doesn't heal when they ask every single time. So they just go, well, they've they all stopped. That's their reason. Second reason people ask about this is because some people get nervous about the gifts. So what, I, what gift is there to be nervous about? I mean, like, I've, I've never received a gift that I was nervous about opening up and using. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's just, that's not That's not my experience. But there is one gift, and I'll just go ahead and call it out. It's that gift of tongues. The gift of tongues, doesn't everybody have a tongue? Yes. But the gift of tongues is one of those things. Don't stress. Don't get excited. That's not our topic for today. But that's the one gift that makes everybody nervous. But let me tell you something. Most people want to take their scissors to their Bible and cut that out of their Bible. But I, you can't do that. It's there. Even if you don't understand it, even if it makes you nervous, listen to me, guys. Do not... Set aside something that God has created for you because of the world's misuse of it. Don't don't sit there and discount it because you don't understand it or it's not part of your experience. The Bible tells us to eagerly pursue all of the gifts of the spirit, the spiritual gifts. And so we ought to be praying for those gifts that are in our lives. Don't disparage it. Pursue it. Don't be afraid of it, all right? The final reason people would ask about this gift is because of their view of the church and of its leaders. The problem is is that that in the Bible, in the Old Testament, God used priests. That's not the problem. It's just the way he established it. He used priests that were a go-between for the people. Somebody that would go before God and, and make requests and petitions, and they would do things on behalf of the people with God. They would go into a place called the Holy of Holies which is this, this place in the tabernacle that was hidden by a big veil, and they would pull it back several times a year, and they would go in, and God's Shekinah glory, that just means the, a glory, you could see part of him. It's, I have no idea what it looks like. I just imagine it's bright and shiny, because that's what they show on TV. You know what I mean? I don't even know what it would look like. But his, he would be there present. A part of him would be there physically. and They would go before God, and they would, they would, they would ask and, and pray for the people. Well, when Jesus came, and he died... One of the things that happened when Jesus died is that the veil was rent from top to bottom in the temple. In other words, the Spirit of God was no longer just in the tabernacle because Jesus paid the price for all of our sins. The Spirit of God now dwelled inside us. We were the tabernacle. That meant that we no longer needed priests in order to speak to God. That we could talk to him because relationship had been restored. Because that gap between us and him had been healed. That that we, it was bridged because of what Jesus did. And now we could talk to God. Ourselves. And so... When, the, when Jesus did what he did, the new church that, that started after that, they did away with priests because everybody was a priest. Everybody was part of the ministry. Everybody had access to God, access to his spirit, access to the gifts. They no longer needed priests. But after the church age ended in the Bible, they set up priests again. In fact, they set up something that uh, some people in a word that is not even in the Bible, they installed what is called clergy. And these clergy had special access to God just like the priests did in the old times. Special, special opportunities to be before God, that God would only answer them. And so they were, they were elevated and escalated in honor. They were treated as the man of God. Let me, can, I just, can I just help you, and I'm going to talk more about this in a second. I'm not the man of God. I'm a child of God, and so are you. You understand me? I'm a child of God. I'm not your man of God. I'm your pastor, and I'm part of the body. I'll get there in a minute. I'm just getting excited, excited and ahead of myself. But they put in this clergy, and so there was this separation from people and God again. And then Martin Luther comes along, and they have this, this Protestant Reformation where he nails his thesis to the doors of the church and says, Hey, there's this part, there's this thing in there that, that we're supposed to have access to God. He called it um, it was a priesthood of the people. Priesthood of all believers. Sorry, I had it written in my notes. I knew I was going to mess it up. Dig on it. Priesthood of all believers was written there, and it said that all of us are priests. All of us should have special access to God. And so there was a church that started after that, that everybody had free access. The priest was not the special person. And then years later, that same denomination installed clergy again. They put in a priest. They put in a man of God. And even still today, people try to put the pastor on a pedestal, you my preacher, You're my man. You need to pray for me. Can't nobody else pray for me. You're the one that has to lay hands on me. And it's got to be you that anoints me with oil. It's got to be you that comes to the hospital. It's got to be you because nobody else gets an answer from God. That's the biggest plate of malarkey I've ever heard. It's just not true. The same Holy Spirit that is in me is in you. I don't have special access And yet people continue to place me there. And it it happens all the time. And I'm not sure if it's just a cultural thing, which I don't mind. And I don't mind if y'all want to honor me by calling me Pastor Aaron. I don't mind that. But it it happened even yesterday. Somebody called me Pastor Aaron. I said, hey, my name's Aaron. It's fine. You don't have to call me that. If If you want to, I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. But I'm just Aaron. There's nothing special about me at all. I'm just a child of God. That's why I teach you to pray for one another. If you've ever been here for one of our prayer meetings, when there's prayer requests during that time, people stand up and I say, you all go pray for each other. I'll go pray too, but I want you to pray for each other. Why? Same spirit of God that's in you is in me, and you can pray too. And so we do. We do. You're a minister. My job is to equip you for the ministry that you have. That's my job. It's not to be your preacher or to be your your man of God so that I sit on a pedestal above you all. I am with you. I'm walking with you for this thing. And so as, as, my, as it's my job to equip you, it is also my determination to find the gifts, the charis, that is inside of you. And this foundational truth is what our church is organized around. I think it's what makes our church great because we're doing what God intended, operating as the body of Christ, serving together all of us in our own parts. You're all ministers and priests. In 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him. In other words, that, hey, you're going to tell people about Jesus, whether it's with your mouth or with your life or with your good works, you're going to declare God's praises because you're using your cares. You'll declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Well, if that's true, then the question is, what is a spiritual gift? And here's a spiritual gift. I'll put it up on the screen for you. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability. That means it's something beyond your natural ability. All of us have natural abilities, but there's a supernatural ability that the Spirit gives you to do, that you're able to do. A supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children so that together, because we belong together, right, we're a body, we belong together, that they can advance his purposes in this world. This is God's hope for us, that we would act together on all the gifts that God has given us to make a difference in this world. That's, that's what he wants for us to do. The sad thing is, is that statistics tell us that 87% of people in church have no idea what their grace gift is. That, that's like if your body, if 87% of your body didn't know what it was, I think you'd be dead. At best, you'd look like Jabba the Hutt or be an invalid. You know what I mean? Just like, just, just totally limp. That's for my Star Wars fans. You're welcome. And nobody wants to look like Jabba because that's not a good look. If you get nothing else, you can take that away today. Man, church today, I learned I don't want to look like Jabba. I better figure out what my grace gift is. I like it. This is why the body of Christ doesn't operate to its full potential, because we we don't know how we're supposed to operate. We we don't know the gift that he's given us, but the Bible encourages us in 1 Corinthians 14, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. There's that word charis again, that we're we're supposed to pursue, we're supposed to find it, to desire it, to want it in our life, to pray for it. And here at Simple Church, we're going to help you find it. How? I'll give you three steps. If you're taking notes, write this one down. This is the first one. Discover the gifts that God has given me. This is how you find your gifts. Discover the gifts that God has given you. You need to go on an exploration to find your gift. If you're part of that 87% that don't know what that gift is in you, and you have no idea, you need to discover what God has put in you. Because finding that thing will bring fulfillment to your life. It's that thing that when you do it at the end of the day, you get to lay your head down on a pillow and go, man, that's how you live a day. That, that's, that, that fulfilled me. It's, it's finding that thing that what you do is, is easier than other people do it, that, than other people can do it. It's finding, finding that thing that will touch the world and change people's lives when you do it. That, that's what you need to do, and it's inside of you. From the moment that I knew that God had put his hand upon my life to be a pastor and to step out of my job and live this life full time in ministry, Everything else that I did was like gravel in my mouth. I say that all the time. Anybody ever had gravel in your mouth? It's not a pleasant experience. It's not good. It's just a, like why is this here? Why am I doing this? Once I knew I was lit on fire, man, I was like, man, that's what I got to do. And I go to bed fulfilled every night because I'm living out my purpose to be a pastor. You say, well, "Where is my grace gift?" Well, it's in how God made you. Look at Psalm 139. It says, for you, were crea- for you created my inmost being. In other words, God created your emotions. He created the way that you are wired. He created the way that you look at this world. He created the way that you see things, the way you interact with things, the way you think. God created all of that. He did. And he says, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That the way God has made you was not an accident that he created you intentionally. He says, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Many of us don't know that, though. We don't look at our lives and look at the way that we're wired, look at the way that we're geared, and think that we're wonderfully made. We just don't know that. David did. He said, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you know that God intentionally created you this way? And he created the thing that you were to do before he created you. That means you didn't accidentally show up. He didn't accidentally create you and go, huh, wonder what I'm going to do with them. That's not what he did. The Bible even says that before you were ever here, God had works prepared for you to do. And if that is true, if that's true, then how you're made points to what you're supposed to do with your life. Let me say that even clearer. Design reveals your destiny. Oh, that's so good. Somebody should write that down. Your design reveals destiny. The way God made you reveals what you're supposed to do with your life. And so you need to explore that. You need to discover your design. You need to understand how God's made you. That includes your personality, your temperament, the grace gifts he's given you. You need to understand that. You say, well, which spiritual gifts Are there? Do I have all of them? Well, no. You'll probably have some. Nobody has all of them. But let me paint a picture for you. Let's just assume that you're at Chipotle having a burrito. Now if you've never eaten a Chipotle burrito, they are large and in charge, man, and there is a way to do it. And oftentimes I watch with much despair in my heart as people sit at a table and they attempt to eat a Chipotle burrito and the thing just spills all down them. All down the front of them and onto the floor and the table. And to me, this is such a travesty. So let's assume that you are the one eating the Chipotle burrito and it has fallen apart and has fallen all over you. There are several grace gifts that will snap into action. If you are, have the grace gift of mercy, you're going to come alongside and say, oh my goodness, are you okay? Are you okay? Is everything all right? Look, I've got some on me too. It's Okay. Or if you've got the, the grace gift as a preacher, you're going to tell them how they did it wrong in the first place. This is how you ought to have been doing it. You shouldn't have been doing it that way. What were you thinking? <laughs> if you have the gift of serving, you're going to snap into action. You're going to start cleaning them up, offering them a napkin. Let me help you there. Let me, let me just Let me help you get it done. If you're a teacher, you're gonna to talk to them. And I've been waiting for this moment. The proper way to eat a Chipotle burrito, let me help you, the way to keep it all together is to not put the sauce and the cold things inside the burrito. They heat it up and add moisture to it so it stays tight. When you put that sauce inside there, it makes it drip. Sauce is for dipping, not for inside the burrito, all right? But if you peel that, that foil down. <laughs> this is serious business. We'll get back to the Bible thing in a second, okay? You, t- <laughs> you tear tear that, that foil. That was my pastor friend Joe from Now Church. Will you guys just greet Joe and tell him you're glad you're, he's here this morning? Tell him hi, Joe. But you tear that foil down, and then you take a bite. See, that's what the teacher's going to do. They're going to walk you through the proper way to eat the burrito. And then there's the exhortation gift. You know, it's like, come on, man, there's a champion inside of you. Don't let you get this down. Don't let you... Don't let this get you down. Wow. Apparently, I'm not the exhortation guy, so that's all right. (laughs) Then if you're the giving person, maybe you give them your burrito or you'll go buy them another one, right? You get that generosity gift. Or maybe you're the the administration person where you look around and go, all right, you go get the broom, you go get the dustpan, you go get some napkins, and uh, you go get this guy a new shirt. Like, you start ordering people around because you've got the gift of administration. You all have a gift, a way that you're wired in fact, when you walked in here today, you looked at this differently than I did. You looked at our building, you looked at our space, you looked at this service, and all of it differently than anybody else, because you're wired different. You're made different. God did that to you. That's why Growth Track is so important. Well, you see, Growth Track. Well, that's a turn, Aaron. What's that? Growth Track is something we do here every Sunday. It's a journey that we help you take, that you, we help you go on, so that you discover the grace gifts that God has put inside of you. And we're going to change the world. I really believe that we're called to reach this city and beyond. But we're not going to do that through preaching. And that hurts my feelings a little bit. We're not going to do that because of our band, even though they're really awesome. Well, We're we're going to reach the world. We're going to change the world when the church starts acting like the church and starts behaving like the body of Christ and we learn to act in the gifts that God has given us. That's when we will change the world that's what's going to happen. That's why we were created. So you need to discover those gifts. Second thing you need to do is embrace the gifts that God has given you. Embrace them. Some people want the other gifts, the gifts that, that God did not wire them for. Some, some of them look at my job and go, well, I want my, your job, Aaron. I don't want to help in the parking lot. I want to do, get up there and do what you do that's not your grace gift you kind of the reason you want this is because you think there's a whole bunch of honor attached to this and that this is this is the one you want the praise of the people and you want like listen let me tell you something there are parts of this job you don't want there are parts of this job that you don't see you you think this is what it's all about well i just got to prepare a sermon on sunday i mean you work one day a week right that's all you do huh Instead of embracing the gift that you have, you want something you find more honorable. Others of you, you resist the gift that's inside of you. You resist it for one reason or another because you, you, you think improperly about yourself. You have a horrible view of yourself that keeps you from doing it. Romans 12 addresses this in verses 3 through 6. It says, do not think of yourself more highly. Now, that word highly doesn't mean like you think you're all, you're all that in a bag of chips, all right? That doesn't, that's not what it means. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourselves with a sober judgment or a sober view in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. In other words, he's saying, don't think this way, think this way. And you'll be able to think that way because of this, right? You'll be able to do it because of that. The verse continues on. It says, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do do not all have the same function, so in Christ... We who are many form one body; each member belongs. So we belong to each other. We have a responsibility to each other. We belong. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. There's that word "charis" again. All of us have different kit, gifts. Now that word that says that that says highly. It doesn't mean an arrogant view of yourself. That, that's not necessarily what it means. That word highly means an improper view of yourself. He said, hey, don't have an improper view of yourself. And Many of us have an improper improper view of ourselves. It could be because of pride, where we think we're all that in a bag of chips. It could be because of our previous experiences, our hurts, or words that people have spoken over us. However it happened, we have an improper view of ourselves. He says, instead, you need to have a sober view. A sober view means to have a, a right mind. In other words, a mind that is healed. The same word for this sober view was used when Jesus healed the demoniac. And it says that when he cast the demon out of him, the man was in his right mind. He had a sober view of himself. His mind was healed. And how do you get that? How do you get a healed mind? It's through faith. It's through faith. And faith is having assurance in someone who has the right view of you. That's what we need to do. So here's that same verse, and I'm just going to add those different, those the, the, the paraphrasing or the definition of each one of those words, and I'm going to read this verse different. We'll call it the PAV version. That's the Pastor Aaron version, all right? Here we go. It says, don't have an unhealthy view of yourself, but rather be set free from the wrong view and let God give you right thinking by being assured of who he is and what he believes about you. Now that's something, isn't it? And see, that's the journey that I want you to go on. That's the journey that I have for you. I want you to have, to start it all off with a real relationship with God. One where you know him in the way that he knows you, and that's intimately, like a best friend. And I think when you know God in that way, it'll become the best part of your life. The next thing I want for you is for you to have a healed mind. I, I want you to be free from your old way of thinking, your old way of living, I want you to begin thinking like Jesus does. That. And we learn that by by following Him. We want our thoughts to be changed. And then I want you to go on an exploration of who God is and the gifts that He's placed in you and how He has made you. And the last thing, if you if you stick around here for very long, I'm gonna challenge you with this and constantly urge you with this, and that's to use the gifts that God has given you. I'm, I'm gonna urge you that all the time our Connect Pastor Tim, if you ever sit and have coffee with him, he's going to urge you that all the time. Use the gift that is inside of you. I want you to meet God. I want you to have a healed mind. I want you to discover your purpose. And then I want you to join all the other people here at Simple Church that are on a dream team somewhere serving people. They're using their gift to make a difference in people's lives, to touch the world and change it. And that's the journey that we want you to go on. That's the only four things that we do here. You know that? That's it. Part of my job is to prep you for ministry, but it's also to prep you for eternity. And eternity, if you were here when we we talked about the end times, I believe it's closer than you think. I I think the end of all time is coming soon. Jesus is going to return soon. I don't know when that is, but I think it's soon. Of course, every generation has thought it was going to be soon. But I see more signs and prophecies being fulfilled in our time than have ever been fulfilled before. And so I I think that eternity soon, even if we're not in the end times, you're in your end times. You're in your last days. Tomorrow's not promised to anybody. Life is a vapor, is what James describes it. It means it's here today and gone tomorrow. It's like vapor's gone. And because of that, eternity is close. And when you get to heaven, God's going to ask you two questions there's two judgments. That happen. The first one is, is the one that determines where you spend your eternity. That's a heaven or hell issue. The other one is a judgment of how you spend your eternity. And that first question that God's going to ask you is, What did you do with Jesus? And if you respond to Him with, Well, I came to simple church every Sunday, I learned lots about Him. Wr, wrong answer. Nope. That's a good answer, but it's not the right one. It's a good thing to do, come and learn about Jesus. If your answer doesn't look like, Well, I met Jesus, and I surrendered my life to him. I know him. He's my best friend. Because, see, getting into heaven isn't about what you know. It's who you know. And if you know Jesus, then you get to step through them pearly gates and enter into heaven. The second question God's going to ask you, he's going to ask you, is not doesn't have anything to do with your eternity. You're already in heaven. You're already there. But it has to do with your eternal reward. And so he's going to ask you, what did you do with that grace gift that I gave you? What, what did you do with all that? And you're going to want to say this verse, it's from 1 Peter 4.10. It says, God has given each of you a gift from, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. You're going to want to say to God, I managed them well so that, so that your generosity flowed through me. That's what you're going to want to say about your gift, is that I managed it well. I was generous with them. I used them on all occasions for anyone. I added value to people. All that you gave me, I used for your glory. And, and if, I'm, if, if you've got a question now, it's probably, so what do I do, Aaron? Well, your next step is clear. You, you, need, you need to get on the growth track. It's, it's that simple. You need to get on the growth track. You need to connect with the church. I don't even care if it's not ours. You just need to connect with the church, and you need to do what they do. If you're going to be here, if you'll give me a year of your life, take growth track, spend a year with us, do what we do, I promise you that your life will be forever changed. That you'll look back and say, I don't know how I ever lived my life without this, without the people, without the relationships, without living out my charis, my grace gift. I don't know how I ever lived my life. Everything will change if you'll do that. Now listen, before we close or as we close, I want to paint you a picture. And it's a picture of what this church can look like, and I believe that it does in so many ways already. But it's, it's a picture of a, of a testimony time. I don't know if you went to a church like I did, but we used to have testimony time. And man, you'd hand out the microphone and people would stand up and they'd get up and say things and you never knew what was going to come out of people's mouths. And you had, had no idea how lo- long it was going to take them to testify. You'd, 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 you'd be there for an hour just for them to tell you that God is good all the time. There'd be all kinds of praise breaks in the middle of it, with, with drums and cymbals, right? She's over there bopping. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. But I imagine there's a day. I just want to paint this picture for you. It's, it would take us forever to do it, but if we had a day where we just all testify, I imagine we all say something very, very similar. I think we'd say this: that I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus and I was made for this. I, th- I think that would be a, our testimony and I think it would look like this, I think, I think the mic would first be handed to Lisa and Lisa would say, I, Aaron, I, I hurt where people are hurt and I like to reach them at their point of need when they're at their lowest. That's why I serve at the Dream Center and I lead a team of people in a grow group to go down to the Dream Center. I'm a priest, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I love to serve people in this way I was made for this and then Lisa hands the mic over to Switz and Switz says I'm a priest and I'm a follower of Jesus my gift is administration I will organize all the things I make sure it's prepared for the teams when they get here on Sunday so that they can serve other people and I just love watching as everything I've prepared gets used and the people are blessed and I'm just happy when everything goes well I was made for this and she hands off the microphone to Andrew and Andrew says I'm a priest I'm a follower of Jesus and I serve in the production team you may not see me very often I'm sitting in the back in the dark but I make sure all the words look good up on the screen so that you can sing the songs I make sure the lights hit the people in the right way and I just make sure everything goes well over the service this is my bent I was made for this Then he hands the mic off and he hands it over to Rowan. Rowan's a teenager. Rowan says, I got a heart for missions. I don't know why I'm crying. Rowan's a dear girl to me. She says, I got a heart for missions. I'm going to be a missionary someday. I serve in my church. But any chance I get, I go on a mission trip to serve people in another country. I'm a priest, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I was made for this. Could you just stop? That's her mama over there crying. Rowan hands the microphone off to Danny. Danny says, my gift is to encourage people I encourage people in leadership who need that encouragement to continue doing the hard things. I like to surprise people with gifts. I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus. My gift is to encourage people, to lift them up when they're down. That's why I'm on the care team. I was made for this. Then Danny's going to hand the microphone off to Sylvia. And Sylvia, stand up and say, I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus. My health keeps me from coming to church very often. I can't leave the house much. That means I got a lot of time on my hands. That means I have time to pray for people. So I do. I pray for my pastor. I pray for this church. I pray for this community. And I pray for all the prayer requests as they come in. I love my church. I was made for this. I'm an intercessor. Then Sylvia's gonna hand, hand the microphone off and she's gonna hand it to Kate. Kate will say, I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus. I serve in the kids' ministry. I love, my heart sings when those kids get connected with Jesus, when they learn his story. My heart just soars. I was made for this. And then Kate will hand the microphone back to me. And I'll stand in front of you and say, My name's Aaron. I'm a priest. I'm a follower of Jesus I'm a pastor and a leader, a gift of leadership this is what God's called me to do and I'm honored to be part of this church I was made for this isn't that beautiful and I think it would take a long time to pass that microphone around but this is what the church looks like guys can't handle no more of this, so we're just going to pray. Let's, come on, let's just do it. Lord, thank you so much for your spirit that is here in this place. It's Such a sweet spirit. Lord, I just pray for right now. My prayer is for those that need to go on this journey, for those that are part of the 87% that have no idea about the gifts that you put inside of them. Lord, I pray today they would be encouraged to take that step, to step into growth track to get all the excuses aside and to figure out how to do it so they can understand how they were made, how they were wired. Ultimately, God, so that they can make a difference in this world. That is why you put us here. You gave us something to do before we got here. We thank you for that. That means we aren't meaningless, that our life isn't meaningless, that there is a purpose and a calling to it and a hope that is attached to it. We celebrate that. Now, God, help us get connected with it. In Jesus' name I ask. As we continue to pray, there are people here in this room that your journey does not even begin getting connected with your grace gifts until you know Jesus. That's where it all starts. You've got to know God. Your life will never have the meaning that it's supposed to until that which was created is connected with that which created it. In other words, you getting connected with God. The way you do that is through a relationship with Jesus. And today, if you're here and you're ready to take that step to say, I need to know Jesus. I'm not perfect. I'm not gonna be. But I'm ready to take that step of faith. If that's you and you're here today, I'm gonna pray a prayer. Would you just slip your hand up right now and let me know that you're here? Come on, do it. Just just slip your hand up. Yeah, that's awesome, thank you, I'm so proud of you. Anybody else? That's at least one that I see. Anybody else? You're not alone. We're gonna pray together and we're gonna celebrate you. This is your last opportunity. Just kinda slide your hand up, let me see you. Church, let's pray together. Everybody pray out loud. Those of you that are praying this prayer, you just need to meet it in your heart. Jesus, Come into my life. I give my life to you today. Show me how to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. And show me what my gift is, what my purpose is. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, church.